Jesus told his disciples a parable about the necessity for them to pray always without becoming weary. He said, there was a judge in a certain town who neither feared God or respected any human being. And a widow in that town used to come to him and say, render a just decision for me against my adversary. For a long time, the judge was unwilling, but eventually he thought, well, it is true that I neither fear God nor respect any human being. Because this widow keeps bothering me, I shall deliver a just decision for her, lest she finally come and strike me. The Lord said, pay attention to what the dishonest judge says. Will not God then secure the rights of his chosen ones who call out to him day and night? Will he be slow to answer them? I tell you, he will see to it that justice is done for them speedily. But when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? The Gospel of the Lord. The Lord be with you. Blessed is the kingdom of God. Sometimes it's difficult to go home and remember what the homily was about. So I always like to give it to you in one word, prayer. The family that stays together is the one that prays together. We are a family, and it's necessary that we pray continuously. You know, there's a prayer in Russian history where the Orthodox believe that the Pilgrim's Prayer, where they continue to pray constantly, Lord Jesus Christ, only Son of God, have mercy on me, for I am a sinner. And they pray that constantly throughout the day. You know, in today's world, it's very difficult uh, to know or to have an opportunity, we think, to pray. How many times do we pick up our cell phone? They say the average child does over maybe 100 times, maybe 180 times. Maybe an average adult looks at it maybe 60 or 50 times. Who knows? Every time we look at that cell phone, I'm going to ask you to remember to make a prayer to God. Because when you look into that cell phone, and it's, in a sense, it's a mirror of who you are. Is it not true that we say about our children, you kind of know who they are by their friends? And don't people know us, who we are, by our friends? Doesn't that tell us something about who we should spend time with? Is it not important that we spend time with God? I kind of think it is. But you know, we live in kind of a strange world right now. There are those who say there is no God. And there are those who say we don't need God. You know, we come from a time in an era where things have been abundant. It's easy. There's not that much suffering where we really begin to wonder and ask, why? Why is there so much suffering in this world? You know, 
I want to tell you, there is Satan. If you don't believe so, he's very happy to think that you don't know and to know that you don't know. And those who do know that there's Satan, then sometimes we don't pay any attention. Now, those in our society today that profess that there's a dystopia, in other words, the world we live in is totally dysfunctional, that the world's going to come to an end, the seas are going to rise and the skies are going to fall like bricks, and there are too many people on the earth. You know, that's fear talk. That's not Satan, that's Satan talking. That's not our Lord who is speaking to us. We need to have confidence in our prayer. We need to pray for those things that we need to do. You know, we live in a time when there is what is called in partibus infelidelum, in other words, those who lack faith. We must have faith. We must teach our children to pray at home. If we don't teach our children to pray at home, others will teach them something else. They will not know how much our Heavenly Father loves them. Is it not true that our Lord Jesus Christ spoke the word and created all that there is? It is true. And is it not true that our Heavenly Father who loves us enough to create us likes to be reminded that we remember that he's here? Isn't it true that we need to pray at home, but also we need to come together as a community, as a family, to pray together? Now let's examine a little bit of what we're hearing in today's scriptures. There's four parts. First, in Exodus, we have Amalek, who is waging war against the Hebrews. Those are the ones that have passed through the water, right? The children of Isaac. And then we have Aaron and her holding up Moses' arms and his staff because he's too tired. This represents praying without ceasing, beginning to realize that it's important to continue to pray for what we need and that our Lord is not going to leave us in the desert destroyed. The Hebrews have not come to the promised land but they need to get there, and there are many obstacles in front of them. Moses, in a sense, represents a future Christ, you know, kind of a cruciform of him on the cross, like we see our Savior on the cross here today. He's holding up the community. And is it not true that if we pray, sometimes we get champions to come forward to help us? Maybe they're not perfect, Maybe that champion is not perfect in our eyes. But throughout history, there were the judges who came, and they were champions for the cause, and they answered the prayers. Who knows what our prayers will bring? But if we're not praying for good, then nothing will come that is good. The church gives us everything we need. It gives us traditions to understand who we are, and those things that represent how to be who we're supposed to be. We have the magisterium of the church that keeps us on track, and we have the scriptures, and that's what's here. So in Exodus, our Lord is telling us it's time to pray when there's trouble, right? And in the Psalms, 
Our help is from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Okay, does this belong, this earth belong to Satan as some believe? That is not true. We are inherent in the earth as stewards, children of God. It is our responsibility to take care of it. So therefore, if God has told us to go out and proclaim the gospel and to be abundant, he's not going to leave us with desolation. He's not going to leave us in fear. In the letter of Timothy, it's really quite brilliant. No, he's telling us what good it is that prayer brings. He says if we're faithful to the gospel, then we'll know how to pray. There's useful things in prayer. But the gospel tells us that in our prayers, not only can we ask for something, and if not, the Holy Spirit somehow will translate it to God so he knows that we're there and we need him and that we love him and we're, we're thinking of him, but also for refutation. In other words, to correct people, telling them what is right. And we can be confident if we know our gospel and we teach it from one generation to the next because every generation has to be taught. It's not something, there's a willingness in our heart and a desire to find God, but it just doesn't happen without seeking God and us teaching our children and taking the time to kneel down by their bed and to pray and to pray at the table and to pray in public and to not worry about what anyone else thinks about that. Worry about what God thinks because we want to conform our lives to his gospel. We want to open our hearts to the Holy Spirit to allow it to come into our hearts. So reread the letter of Timothy today and we'll know that sometimes even to do these things it might be painful and inconvenient, but the truth will be told about the living and the dead. It is not our objectives as parents, husbands and wives, to get our spouses and our children to heaven. If it is not, something's wrong. We really don't believe. I mean, there was someone saying the other day that 70% of us don't believe the real presence of our Lord. Body, blood, soul, and divinity present before us in the Eucharist. Where is that other church going? When fathers don't bring their children to church and the mother is left to do it, maybe 20 or 25, 28% of those folks end up coming back to church. And when people don't get married in the church, only 24 or 5% of us do now. What can we expect those families to look like? Have we forgotten what God made and who we are? I think not. Let's look at Luke, the gospel. I've had the pleasure of being a judge. I guess it's not a pleasure, but the displeasure of being a judge, also a defense attorney and a prosecutor. And I know that when a mother or a widow comes to the court and she prays for her son or daughter who has been the worst example of humanity you could possibly expect, her prayers are most important. Here we have a perfect example of an issue between justice and mercy. You know, we, we talk about mercy. We want to give ourselves credit, you know, the benefit of the mercy of God. Oh, it'll all work out. I'm a good guy. Don't be so sure. Remember that God's mercy is always balanced with judge justice. 
Somehow our Lord knows how to make that work. In this case, we have a judge who is not just. He has, he's the judge of the world. He's the, he's the creator, he's his own God. Maybe we are that judge, perhaps. He ignores this widow and she begs, but she's persistent because she's just and she's justified and she's righteous about her cause of action. She'll stand up for what she believes and she's persistent. And this judge does not make a decision based on what is right. He does not do it for any other reason other than he is afraid that somehow this widow, this helpless little widow is going to harm him. Now just get out of the way, just go away somewhere. How often do we do that for those things that come into our lives? Perhaps every day. Maybe it's time to stand up. Sure, it's good for a tree to bend in a storm, but there are some times when you have to hold the roots to the ground, and then on those good days, stand up straight for what is good. No one said that you might not be that tree that our Lord needs for his cross. We all carry those kinds of things on us that are difficult. So we must take every opportunity to pray. Just like that pilgrim's prayer. We don't necessarily have to put it to too many words. It could be when your toes touch the ground at night or in the morning when you wake up. Lord, I'm glad to be in thy service. Lord, help me this day. And as we were coming over here today, Father Steve rightfully said, oh, what a beautiful day. This is God's day. What's happened to our speech? That reflects how we think. We say, oh, you know, you go to a fast food restaurant and they say, have a good day. Well, that's a very consumer kind of a way of looking at the day. What happened to God's day? Good day. We must reclaim our language. We must reclaim the way that we think. We must hold on to our values. And if the church is changing, if it isn't done by the Holy Spirit for the right reasons and going to the right reasons, we must stand fast. And when culture tells us that humanity is terrible, that we can't have any more of us because we hate you, that sounds like Satan talking. And when we hear people talking about somebody else, that's gossip or ridicule or making fun of someone. We must be honest with ourselves, not to depress ourselves, but to lift ourselves up, to know that God loves us and that we love God and that he is there. And we know he is there. We are family. One thing about Christianity, it always deals with reality no matter what it is. And if we deal with reality, with our knowledge of our gospel and our faith, we can deal with anything. For weeks we've been talking about what it is to be good disciples and what it is to kind of be a disciple, uh, to learn and to be a trustworthy servant. Now we must stand up. Yesterday we had um, uh, the uh, North American uh, uh, priests who were killed 
by the Indians many long years ago because they, they professed their faith. They were willing to die for the gospel. Are we ready to do that? I don't know, but we must be thinking about it because it's probably going to happen. We have a time when there are more slaves in this world than at any other time. There are more people. We enslave ourselves. We sell ourselves. We allow others to put us into bondage. And yet we do not say a thing. It is time for us to take heed. It is time to find champions that will fight back, to pray continuously, to recognize those things that St. Paul has given us, to understand what our Lord wants us to do. And we, too, must not be like that judge that allow things to happen just because we don't want to hear it or it's inconvenient or we're afraid of what's going to happen to us. We're going to be like that widow who gives everything she's got to get what is right. Prayer. We are family. The family that stays together is the one that prays together always. Amen. Amen.